The talk in Cleveland for some time now has been about the coming upheaval in its leadership ranks, and Thursday saw some huge upheaval, with the announcement that a business titan will be stepping down. That's where we start today's edition of The Wake Up, the daily briefing from Cleveland.com. I'm Chris Quinn, editor of Cleveland.com, and I'm glad you're here to listen. KeyBank CEO Beth Mooney, the former teacher and secretary who became the first woman CEO of a top 20 U.S. bank and a pillar of the Cleveland leadership, announced Thursday that she is retiring May 1st. Stepping into the role will be Chris Gorman, Key's vice chairman and president of banking. Mooney, who turns 65 next year, played a key role in many of Cleveland's successes of the past decade and held leadership roles in powerful organizations. She was board chair for two years of the Greater Cleveland Partnership and heads the board at the Cleveland Clinic. Key's generosity during her tenure is well known. The bank recently donated $10 million to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, in part so Cleveland residents could visit for free, and committed $24 million to Jumpstart in 2017 to help create more than 4,500 jobs, mostly in Ohio. She was named the most powerful woman in banking in the United States in 2013, 2014, and 2015 by American Banker. The ongoing, mysteriously funded campaign surrounding Ohio's nuclear bailout law shows why state leaders need to toughen disclosure requirements on political spending, some good government advocates said Thursday. In a Columbus news conference, leaders with Common Cause Ohio and the League of Women Voters singled out Ohioans for Energy Security, an LLC formed to defend House Bill 6 against an ongoing repeal effort. The group has funded millions of dollars in TV and radio ads across the state and recently mailed political flyers across the state, falsely equating signing the petitions with providing personal information to the Chinese government. Jen Miller, executive director of the League of Women Voters of Ohio, said the ads depressed democracy by making people suspicious of petition drives. She thinks the group would be better behaved if it was forced to disclose who was funding it. HB6 will send $900 million to two financially troubled Ohio nuclear plants owned by First Energy Solutions and $120 million to two coal plants, one in Ohio, one in Indiana, owned by a group of Ohio utility companies. The measure will be paid for by tacking charges onto all Ohioans' electricity bills. The Ohio Department of Health has confirmed the first vaping-related illness from Cuyahoga County. The patient is a 64-year-old woman who lives in North Olmstead, whose case was confirmed through clinical tests and by interviewing her about her habits. Seventeen people have been hospitalized throughout Ohio for severe lung illnesses likely related to vaping. Six of the patients are female and 11 are male. The age range is 16 to 64. Another 22 illnesses are under investigation statewide. No one has died in Ohio, but nationwide, seven people have. The Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports 530 cases nationwide of lung injury from vaping. Earlier this week, Governor Mike DeWine said he was looking into whether he had the legal authority to ban vaping. In Michigan, vape shops have 14 days to remove flavors. 
An attorney defending Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson's grandson from felony assault charges called Frank Q. Jackson a victim. Jeffrey Saffold's exact quote in a Cleveland.com interview was, I believe Frank is a victim here, and he's being dragged through this because of who his grandfather is, and that's unfortunate. Saffold's comments came after the first pretrial hearing in Jackson's case, in which he is charged with second-degree felonious assault, third-degree felony abduction, and two counts of failing to comply with the order of a police officer. He was indicted earlier this month, more than a month after city prosecutors declined to pursue charges in the case. The woman in the case told police Jackson struck her inside his truck in an East 55th Street gas station. Then, someone drove the truck to a nearby apartment building, where he pulled her out and beat her with a truck hitch, police reports say. Cuyahoga Metropolitan Housing Authority police reports say two witnesses and the 18-year-old woman named Jackson as the attacker, and housing officers watched Jackson's truck speed away from the scene after officers ordered the truck to stop. Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley also says Jackson is a suspect in an August 28th deadly daytime shooting after a car registered to him was spotted speeding away from the scene of the crime. Cuyahoga County's expensive and oft-delayed overhaul of its computer system faces another costly delay, this time for six months, at a cost of $2.5 million. That would bring the cost of the so-called ERP project to $35 million, which is $10 million more than originally budgeted. The last deadline for this thing was March of next year, but this delay will push that to September, a consultant told the county council on Thursday. County Executive Armin Budish's office disputes the consultant's estimates, and council asked the executive for estimates by the end of the month. If you're heading to the Browns for a rare Sunday night game, you need to know two things. The first is that the Muni lot will not open for tailgating until 2 p.m. Kickoff is at 8.20. The second is that our Cleveland's best team has sampled the fare at 22 of the most popular concessions to rate them. Coming in first are the Tree Monster Potato Skins at Great Lakes Cheesesteaks, which we are told taste even better when the team wins. You can find all of the ratings at cleveland.com slash entertainment. We hope we'll be talking about a Browns win when we're back with our next daily briefing on Monday, and we hope you get the chance to enjoy what is supposed to be glorious weather this weekend. Thank you for listening to The Wake Up.